0: In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, how to prepare for the OSCP. Part one. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring how to prepare for the offensive security certified professional or OSCP certification. Joining me today to help answer this question is OSCP and OSCE Chris Madalena, a senior security consultant. Chris, how are you?
1: I'm pretty good, Tim. Thanks for having me back on.
0: All right, so uh, let's you you've actually gone like you've gotten one not not only one, but you've gotten two. So I guess kind of explain what the OSC P is, and then, uh, I guess the OSCE is more of an advanced or is that kind of a different certification?
1: Yeah. So in, in a way, each of the certifications kind of build on each other. Um, but they they are, they are not tiered. You don't have to get one before you can get the other. Um, I do know people who are OSCEs that are not OSCPs. Um, the the OSCP, uh, you know, as as you mentioned there in the intro, is the Offensive Security Certified Professional certification. Uh, so it's you know, as the name suggests, it is you know, focused on offensive security, kind of being on the attacking mindsets, uh, you know, using those tools and getting started from from that point of view. Uh, but it's also the certification that is uh, put out and maintained by Offensive Security, the company. Uh, So, you know, the certification kind of references both at the same time. Um, The OSCE is the FN Security Certified Expert, uh, which sounds perhaps like a little bit more flashy, you know, being a certified expert and all. But uh, that one is much more focused on uh, kind of like exploit writing a little bit, uh, actually like making your own exploits, uh, tuning exploits, taking maybe one like a proof of concept and, Making it work for you, like actually getting a shell with it, or you know, actually you know, inserting your own shell code in there. Uh, and then towards the end of that, uh, you know, certification and the exam, you're actually writing your own shell code, uh, so writing assembly. Uh, then they actually have a third one that is the offensive security um, exploitation expert, which gets way more into uh, into the exploit writing uh, with a, I believe a big focus on Windows uh, specifically, like writing exploits for Windows. Uh, and, you know, as we're recording this, Tim, you know, we're uh, about a week away from DEF CON and Black Hat. I believe it's at Black Hat they're going to finally be debuting actually a fourth uh, certification that is meant to be kind of a the initial stepping stone for people going after the OSCP, uh, which is, you know, a like, Kali Linux uh, certification, which, you know, Offensive security, if you don't know them for the OSCP, you know them as the maintainers of Kali Linux. So they're kind of putting out a, a certification that's focused on that and getting people started with Linux, specifically how to use Kali, how it's organized, you know, how to how to set one up. You know, I, I think they get into maybe how to make your own custom version of the, like how to make a custom ISO of Cali uh, to then try to get you to take that and move into the OSCP.
0: Yeah, that's actually. Uh an interesting note there because I've had people ask me before about the specifically the OSCP and I'm always like, it kind of depends, but I always felt like that was more of an advanced cert, just because as we'll get into, uh, the test is kind of grueling and I felt like for people just starting out, I felt like that was jumping into the deep end. so I I think it's good that they are kind of introducing one that's more of an intro level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the thing with the OSCP is the content of it is, and I would actually say, and I I know there's actually a, a blog post out there um, from one of the, uh, I believe he wrote it, you know, a year or two before he be- actually started working for Offsec as one of their um, as one of their admins, uh, but got milk. Uh, you know, you, you might know him, you know, from his GitHub and the various tools he does. He does a lot of work, like on the on Vulnhub.com, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but he wrote up a nice blog post, uh, on his blog about the OSCP. And I remember reading when I was getting started with the OSCP being surprised that, you know, he said that it was probably in the ballpark of someone with like a year of experience. And then maybe there'd actually be a limit on about after about five years, it wouldn't be that useful to you to actually take the course. You wouldn't really learn anything. You'd get the certification, but at that point you'd be kind of, you know, retreading old ground. And that was really surprising to me as someone that was just getting started with it and, and looking at that and being like, wow, this is going to be a really grueling course. And, you know, the exam, the lab and the exam just seemed crazy. Uh, but I at the end of it, I do kind of agree that if you're someone that has like a year of experience or so, you've kind of you've gotten your feet wet a little bit. You're comfortable with Linux. Uh, you know, perhaps you've gone through this Cali course, if it turns out to be any good. You know, we don't know. <laughs> it hasn't been uh, unveiled yet. You know, um, I don't know when this will go up, but. Uh, you know, it's still an unknown and, uh, you know, but get your feet wet a little bit, get a little bit of experience, uh, and, you know, learn some of the basic materials for about a year. And then you you might actually be ready for the OSCP if it's something you really want. Uh, and you know, you have the time to dedicate to it.
0: Uh, so is preparing for the OSCP the same as preparing for the OSCE?
1: Hmm, a little bit. Uh, I mean, definitely I, I followed many of the same steps, but it is they're they're kind of different beasts. Uh, there's different requirements for like the exams and what you're expected to know. Uh, for the OSCP, um, you know, like I said, it's probably good for you know, maybe someone about with about a year of experience. Uh, for me, to give my own personal story, so you know, perhaps listeners know like, where I'm coming from. throwing things that I just sound crazy or you know, really disagree with me, uh, I I kind of set my sights on the OSCP as something I wanted to do eventually. Uh, and then once I I got clearance to do it, I, I probably had about six months or so, uh, you know, working, you know, started actually getting my feet wet, working as as a as a bit, you know, on external pen tests professionally. And I did a lot of VulnHub uh, VMs. Uh, I started getting involved in CTFs. Uh, so, I mean, I spent countless hours on VulnHub, uh, downloading different VMs that looked cool and trying to work my way up through some of the difficulties, uh, seeing how far I could get. Uh, you know, you, you and I, Tim, we did a talk on how to build a home lab at, like, Circle City Con, and, and we've, you and I both separately have given that talk a couple other places, uh, and one of the things we said in that presentation was, you know, regarding walkthroughs, we'd get that question of, well, should I look at a walkthrough if I'm trying to do a VM? And, you know, I always told people, yes, absolutely, because if you're stuck on something, like, really, truly stuck, like, you're honest with yourself, but you don't know what to do and you're just running in circles, look at a walkthrough if it's available, You know, just, you know, you can scroll down just a little bit, look at a hint or look at the solution for that step. And then that might be the springboard that gets you through the rest of it. And you've learned something new. Uh, You know, so that was definitely my playbook at the time. I would do as much as I could initially. I got stuck very quickly early on, looked at a walkthrough, learned things here and there, learned different tricks, both just how to solving CTF puzzles, less, you know, real world stuff. And then in some cases, how to use a tool that I didn't know how to use before, uh, you know, to get over whatever hurdle or puzzle was in my way for that VM and did a lot of reading uh, and, you know, kind of gave myself a crash course on a lot of things and gotten into the OSCP uh, and found a time that I had like 60 days of, of pretty clear road to run down. Um, you know, not a lot, you know, I wasn't traveling, as far as i knew didn't have any like big projects coming up at work so i could dedicate you know some nights and weekends to the oscp for 60 days uh, with you know the goal of taking the exam in my case i started at the beginning of august uh, and my goal was to take the exam in november uh, and, and it worked out for me and you know i felt my preparations were 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 you know, on par for what i needed Ah, uh, the OSCE it was very much the same for me. I, I did that uh, just this year, uh, and a lot of the preparation was the same, but less VMs and a lot more uh, writing shell code. <laughs> so, more, more, I took uh, vanilla VMs, like a Windows VM, and beat it up with my own shell code and crash things and uh, you know fuzzed software I downloaded from the internet, that kind of thing.
0: Okay, so maybe we do another podcast later on. Called how to prepare for the OSCE. Uh, I will actually, uh, if people are interested in that, send me questions. You can hit up me on Twitter, Timothy D Block, in the DMs. Let me know your questions, and if we get enough of them, maybe we'll do another one. Sounds like there's a lot of the same prep, might be a little bit more nuanced, but yeah, definitely hit me up. Contact me if you're interested in, in doing something like that. I don't want to let people out. I do feel like the just based on your description, that OSCE might be a little bit more advanced than the OSCP. It, Unless, like, exploit writing is where you want to go into, like, kind of almost almost sounds like more like security research.
1: Yeah, definitely. It starts to get into that realm. Um, Yeah, maybe the better way to answer your question from earlier is, you know, are are they similar or, you know, are they kind of stepping stones for each other? The the OSCP, uh, you get into it a little bit. There is actually, like, some pretty excellent exploit writing introductions in the OSCP that uh, really does have good overlap with the OSCE. So if you're almost, if you were insane and going from one right into the other, you'd kind of, there'd be a flow to it a little bit. Um, and But you're definitely getting more and more focused kind of on that research. You know, the OSCE introduced you to fuzzing um, and you're doing a way more of that uh, than in the OSCP. And the OSCE is, my understanding is pretty much you're writing custom zero days, basically. Like it's much more down that uh, that research hole of you know exploiting things they're giving you that you have to find the exploit you have to develop that you have to make sure it works. um so you're you're going further and further in that direction as you go kind of up the chain of these offsec certs.
0: Okay. So what are the benefits to getting the OSCP?
1: Sure. So certainly one of the ones that uh, you'll hear a lot is it is one of the certs that has uh you know kind of good recognition to it um a lot of people know know it um even if they don't really know what went into it they know that it's a it's a good cert and you know it has that respect um so if if you're a you know, pen tester or you're kind of on the off, you know offensive side of things and you're looking for a good cert you're looking for some good training uh i've no issue saying that the OSCP is probably hands down like some of the best bang for your buck Uh, So the OSCP, to be really clear, is the certification you get at the end. Uh, What you're really signing up for is the PWK, the pen testing with Cali course. Um, You don't really necessarily have to use Cali. It makes your life a lot easier in their labs uh, because things are kind of designed to be, you, you know, solved using the tools that are in Cali. But the lab you have access to is really fantastic. I mean, you get some really amazing hands-on experience with that. It's just it's a massive domain uh, of mix of a Windows and Linux machines that you can just go hack on, uh, and then there are additional networks that you have to like pivot through the, the the DMZ network to get to, and then ones beyond that. So you get even pivoting experience, like you know uh, you know SSHing in through things, attacking like remote hosts and other networks. Uh, so you get a lot of great hands-on experience that way Um, and then I think the materials they give you are also pretty good Uh, so you get a pdf that's like 350 pages or so and access to a whole bunch of videos and the neat thing is is you just download those videos uh, you know to try to discourage you from distributing them they're all watermarked with like your name address and email uh, and I, I believe the punishment, <laughs> if they catch that, you have given them to someone or they've made it out to the internet or something like that, you, you, they revoke your cert and you can't get an offset cert again. Um, oh, wow. so th- there's, I believe, you know, some heavy penalties on, you know, they ask you not to do it. You sign an NDA, if you break it, uh, you might be, might be in some trouble, but they do let you keep those materials. Um, you know, you're not getting updates to them if they ever change it, but I do really like that. So if you want to reference back to your pen testing with Cali PDF, or you want to go back and watch a video as a refresher, that's available to you. Um, you know, other certs that are similar, like like the Certified Ethical Hacker might be the most similar sort of like the sort of cert it is, but that one is all multiple choice. And you don't get to keep, like you get like an account to access some sort of like online learning center where you watch videos and can read a PDF, but it's all in your browser. And once your, your time is up, your, you lose access to all of that. And then you're just taking a multiple choice exam at the end. Um, And then now I think they charge you even $80 a year to maintain that cert. Uh, Offsec doesn't, they they don't charge you anything. Um, It's a thousand or they don't charge you anything to maintain the cert after you get it. And it's a thousand dollars for like 60 days of lab time. And one crack at the at the certification. Uh, If you fail, it's 60 bucks for a retake. So I mean, like overall, like the the cost of it's very reasonable. Um, It's even reasonable enough that like if you were just doing this yourself, is you know trying to get you know maybe you're trying to transition from like IT into security, Uh, you know you want to be a pen tester and you're coming from blue team, or if you're just you're on you know kind of the blue side of things on defense. Um, You know I I know a couple of people. Well, you know we both do. Uh, that uh, are looking to do the OSCP here, you know, probably in the next year, who are on the defensive side of things, but they do like forensics and, you know, or reverse engineering or, you know, some of that defense stuff where they're interested in seeing, well, what are these hacking techniques uh, you know, that are being taught with the OCP? You know, what, what are some of these tools that they've never really played with, they've read articles about or maybe seen them use in their environment, detected them, they've set up rules that detect them, et cetera, but they've they've never actually used them. Um, and so I, I think it's it's a great course just to take it's you know it's kind of like going and taking you know a semester at a university or something like that to to get some really actually solid training
0: it's much cheaper than that yeah <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> a thousand bucks yeah that's not that's cheaper than some of the other certifications in our
1: yeah absolutely in our industry. Exactly. I think it's it's, it's very obtainable uh, yeah. which i think it's a huge benefit for it i think it, it's solid training and it's very obtainable both like you know, Cost-wise, and you know, what what it asks of you, I think is fair.
0: So you take you pay the thousand dollars up front, and then you get access to all these uh, resources for for studying.
1: Yep. So the uh, you know my, my personal opinion on it is so there is I would say go for like thirty to sixty days of lab time, depending on what you want to be able to dedicate to it. Uh, and I believe OffSec still rep, um, recommends sixty days to start with. You can do ninety a ninety day chunk to start with. They recommend 60, and I agree with that. Uh, the reason why, because some people will say, no, go for the max because it, there's so much to do. And if you get sidetracked by a conference or something comes up, uh, you know it might be hard to get everything done in those 60 days to be ready for your exam. The thing is that it's 1,200, uh, it might be a little bit more now, uh, but it, it used to be 1,200 for 90 days or 1,000 for 60 days. So you're paying $200 more for 30 days. If you get to the end of your 60 days and you realize I really need another 30 days, you can pay 250 to get 30 more days. So you're just kind of gambling 50 bucks. But if you get things done in 60 days and you feel good about it, you take your exam, you save 200. So, you know, I think it's worth it to start off with the 60 days. Uh, At the start of your lab time, you just get an email with your download link and uh, you know, you get like your, uh, the settings and everything you need. You're using the password for their VPN that you would use to connect to, uh, the lab environment. You get the PDF, you get the, the videos, you download those and you're good to go.
0: Yeah. So there is, that was my question is there is a time, limit? but there, the time limit
1: kind of goes away if you get certified
0: and then you just kind of get those resources for, for free.
1: More yeah. Hard. Yeah. The, you know, the PDF and videos you get to keep, they're just local files. The, you do, uh, also at at the, after you get your certification, you do get access to a forum, um, kind of of like other people who've been certified, which, which is pretty neat because that's where the only place they'll let people discuss answers, whether it's to the exam or a lab machine. So if you get through those 60 days and there's something that's just been eating at you, like you never figured out that one host in the lab, you could jump on the forums and just like do a search or a Make a new post of saying like, what, what was that? What did I miss? <laughs> Someone probably knows and can tell you. Um, this so that's pretty neat. There's also I I know uh, it, it's it's not a very active forum, but I know that when you when you check it occasionally, there's there is like a like job threads where there are people who are OSCP so they've accessed the forums and want to hire other OSCP so that can also be seen as a benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there are people that go there to say like, hey, look, I have a job posting. That might not even necessarily be public yet, but like, hey, here's you know what the job is. It's a pen testing role, what have you. Is anyone interested? We want an OSCP for this role. Uh, so you might even be able to uh, get like a job lead if that's kind of your your angle of getting the OSCP to hopefully get a new job or something like that. Right. But the uh, the lab, unfortunately, you do lose access to it at the end of the time limit. So I do encourage everyone who buys access to it to get as most out of it as they can. Uh, What I did was, and this was a bit insane, um, but I just was having so much fun. It wasn't like I was running myself into the ground or anything. But I I said that I would go for like an hour or two a night. Um, Often I did more (laughs) Uh, because I was having fun. But, you know, around 9 or 10 o'clock, I would would get on there and and work for a couple hours. Um, And basically did that every night. I tried to spend at least an hour in the lab. Uh, and then on Saturdays or Sunday, I would I would maybe go for, like, four or five hours. like just spend an afternoon in there, um, screwing around. Uh, you know, and I was doing it in, like, August. It was really hot and muggy. I did really want to be outside anyways. And then, you know, it started getting cooler as I was getting into the fall. So it was nice to just kind of sit inside and listen to some music and, and hack around in the lab. Uh, then, you know, so I, I think I, I put in, you know, uh, yeah, pr- probably, I'll just throw out a hundred hours in the lab. Uh, and and that, that was definitely enough for me. They, they say that, uh, you know, Offset's recommendation is to get through like the DMZ lab, uh, you know, get through the, the first initial set of hosts they give you and you should be ready for the exam. That's a, it's a good recommendation, but I would say that it might put it a bit more pressure on people than is, necess- than is necessary. Because there's definitely hosts in that network that are brutal, that are really, really tricky, that, which always makes them very satisfying when you figure them out. But uh, you won't necessarily encounter anything like that in the exam. Um, there's also hosts in there that are, that, that require like a special option to be triggered or, you know, like, or sometimes you have to do like actually client side attacks. Like, I mean, this is really what makes the lab so cool Uh, Is I mean, they they have set it up so that there are, like, bots that will answer emails and things like that. Like, it's definitely worth it if if you, you know, are ever curious about how, you know, uh, like phishing payloads and things like that work, you'll have the opportunity to try that out, uh, you know, through the OSCP training. Um, So if you can get a majority of, like, that first network completed, I mean, you're in pretty good shape for the exam, uh, which, you know, we, we might as well, uh, you know, talk about that elephant in the room, which is the kind of the infamous 24-hour exam. It's actually technically 23 hours and 45 minutes uh, is, is what they give you for the exam. Um, the way that works is once your lab time is complete or it's coming to a close, you'll get a link, your your registration link. You can click on that and you choose a time and a date to start. Uh, they there There's a limited number of, exam networks, or I'm not, I, I have no idea how it actually works on their back end, but there is a, a limit to how many people can, can work in a single day. Uh, unlike the lab where you, you'll actually, you'll share lab access with other people. So there's like several different lab subnets they have. Uh, so there are other people in that network, um, with you. Um, so, which can also make it interesting because you can see what they're doing. Uh, you might find artifacts, you know, from what they've been trying, uh also the downside is they might revert your machine while you're working on it and then suddenly get booted off and the machine's been reset (laughs) but uh in, in my experience that happens maybe once to me in 60 days uh but for the lab it's all you there's no one else in there with you uh and you have just a set of machines that you have to compromise and you are restricted from using metasploit uh and or there are special restrictions on how you can use Metasploit. So they really want you to be able to prove that you can at the very least figure out how to run like the Python script or whatever the Metasploit module is based on or figure out how to manually uh, attack the machine. Um, If you can identify the vulnerability in a module, they want you to prove that you can then do it yourself. Uh, And you, you are limited to those 23 hours and 45 minutes to get all this done. Uh, so par- I, I would almost say a, a good chunk of the challenge of the exam is figuring out for you personally, when is the best time to start the exam and how much time can you de- dedicate to it. it was just a kind of your own habits and like when you want to eat food and things like that. For me, uh, it took me two attempts to pass the exam. The first time I was like super kind of stressed out, I was in my own head, uh, and, and I spent those 23 hours and 45 minutes like down to the last seconds trying my hardest to, to get as much done as I could. Uh, you know, I, I had my wife bring – my wife brought me food, uh, so I was able to keep going. I didn't really sleep. I took like an hour nap at one point, uh, and I mean, it was bad. It was bad. I, I thought starting like at 10 o'clock in the morning was going to be super awesome because that would let me sleep in a little bit, get a breakfast, and then, uh, you know – get started while maybe like my wife ran out and got like, and she went out and got like a pizza or something and came back. So I had a pizza and I sat there and I worked and I thought like, this is just how it's going to be for the rest of the evening. It's going to be awesome. I can stay up late and, uh, you know, it's staying up through the nights and, you know, hopefully wrap up a little bit early so I can go to bed and, you know, have this behind me. It did not go that way. <laughs>
0: All right. And I think I think that's a good point right there to uh, stop it for this week, which is a big, big tease. Um, <laughs> but I think this is going to end up being a two party, which is not actually something we, we which is something we kind of expected. Uh, so we will actually stop it there and we will pick that up uh, next week. All right. I do want to mention that Chris doesn't have any kids, which is why he can spend so much time. (laughs) Exactly. He does have cats though. And if I cannot edit out the cats, I'm going to leave this in here to uh, make fun (laughs) of you for having the cat sounds in the background. It sounds, what are they doing? Are they dying?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, every minute, every day is slowly dying. (laughs) I have to point it out. Fair point. Touche. Uh, no, he has the, the the cat snuck in here, and and a few moments ago decided he really wants to leave the office now. So, <laughs> you can't get out. Yeah, so so he's he's been he's been pawing at the door, meow, trying to trying to let me know he wants to leave. And he's he's now that we are pausing has decided to stop and come lay at my feet and stare at me and be quiet. <laughs> so,
0: all right, cool. We'll, we'll pick that up uh, next week. <laughs> all right. And that will do it for part one. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.